Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows on Extra 106.3. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. I host a podcast for the Podcast Park. You can go to thepodcastpark.com and find it, the Ben Burnett Show. I'm somewhere on the page. You can find me on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, the Extra 106.3 app. Thank you for making me a part of your day. August is typically a month where there isn't a lot going on in the name of political activity. Until it became a full contact year-round sport with no off-season, that was what you could come to expect. The end of last weekend, we just missed the news cycle by a couple of hours, Hunter Biden and his legal defense team announced that they want to go back to the prosecution And they want to negotiate and ramp back up the plea deal. Do you think it's too little too late for Hunter Biden? I do. I'm grateful for the Trump-appointed judge that said, hey, look, I'm not going to accept this clearly hook, line, and sinker. I don't think you guys tried hard enough to get where you ultimately needed to be. And if this is what you're going to come forward with, I'm not going to accept it. I think Hunter Biden is in a tremendous amount of trouble. And I don't say that because I'm a Republican. I don't. I'm clearly a Republican. I have a huge issue with people who get preferential treatment in life in general. One of the things we talk about a lot is just equal protection, equal treatment, left and right, black and white, male, female. I don't care. I'm the guy who doesn't – I could have somebody. I've told you over and over I am well-documented. I'm a guy who will skip Donald Trump on a ballot in November of 2024. I don't think he's fit to be the president and the CEO of the United States, the commander-in-chief, guides our military – makes ultimate decisions and guides strategic direction. I don't. And I understand all of you who do. And I know that I live in odds with plenty of you. But there are plenty of circumstances where you and I both have the ability to see absolutely everything the same way. Hunter Biden is one of them. And I say this as a guy who leans right of center. The United States Congress needs to take up a bill. And they need to ban immediate family members from creating relationships with foreign governments. And I can use this in a Republican example, and I can use this in a liberal example. You look at Hunter Biden. Do I think that he is wrong in a pay-for-play scheme, which you could be alleged, I want to be removed from that, with the Ukraine and with China? Do I think that China and the Ukraine sought Hunter Biden and put him on retainer so that he could have influence over his father or people that were in the, a part of the Obama administration? I do. I'm willing to bet that 30 percent of Democrats do. If we turn that on its head, you look at Jared Kushner, who's an investment banker. His dad used to own the Miami Marlins or the Florida Marlins at the time. Spent time in federal prison, tax evasion, racketeering, charges charges of that nature. Jared Kushner put together a giant Middle East peace agreement, quote unquote peace agreement. We say quote unquote a lot. You can hate you can hate on me for that with Bahrain. Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, Israel, tons of countries. The UAE's one. And then some three years later, Jared Kushner winds up with a $2 billion investment into, from the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund into his ETF, his hedge fund. 
Use whatever words you want. $2 billion to Jared Kushner. Well, I'm going to ask you guys the same question. Do you think that it is wrong for someone who's set as a senior advisor to the president, who happens to be married to the president's daughter, to engage in that kind of activity some three years removed from office? I do. And I don't blame anybody who does it because it's not illegal. It's not illegal for Hunter Biden to sit there and try to peddle influence. It is illegal for Joe Biden to do certain things with that influence, but it's not illegal for Hunter Biden to take a job like that. In the same way that it is not illegal for Jared Kushner to go all around Hell's Half Acre as the President Donald, as President Donald Trump's son-in-law and take $2 billion. And if Congress would take this up, and I mean it from a from a position of strength, I think if Congress drops a bill that says for five years after your executive branch immediate family member is out of office, you are barred from taking sovereign wealth money from any independent country outside of the United States, hell, or inside the United States. I don't really care. It affects so few of us. And by the way, there are plenty of you with jobs today that don't live with all the First Amendment luxuries that you have. You can't work for Verizon or you can't work for a county or a municipality or a school board and just go write whatever you think on social media. You can't. You can, however, take some time away from that public office and then start your own consulting company and, and drive value with things that you've learned or relationships that you've built all along the way. But I don't think that that's something that needs to be immediate. I don't, and I don't think you do. If you look, so many of you are careful about what you post on social media because it can have an adverse effect on your employer. I'm not going to sit here and argue with whether that is right or whether that is wrong. Personally, I remember the Chick-fil-A controversy here in the United States. It was front and center about 10 years ago in the South when the LGBTQ plus XYZ community wanted to hate on Truett Cathy and Dan Cathy and Chick-fil-A for the sole reason that they didn't view marriage from an equality perspective from male to female or male to male or female to female. They just don't. It's a privately held company. And I'm the first person to raise my hand and defend Chick-fil-A's right to do that. In the same way that I will be the first person to raise my hand and say, hey guys, why are we hating on them? And then Chick-fil-A put pretty strict orders out in the marketplace amongst their employees. It said, you do not have a comment on this on social media. You don't. You work for us. We will handle this messaging and communication however we deem fit. You go to work. You don't speak on behalf of the organization. You forego your First Amendment rights when you work at Chick-fil-A. That's part of it when you sign up. They have a code of conduct form. And you know what? Plenty of you never give that a second thought. But you're not allowed to say whatever you want about the seal. And I don't blame them. If you work for a municipality and you disagree with the city's position that the city council takes, guess what you're not allowed to go do? You're not allowed to take leveraged information and just raise holy hell all over America about what they do or what they don't do to you. You sign a social media agreement. In the same way, you also can't take a contract from a vendor because you work somewhere if you're in local government. You're not allowed to do that. And you know why? Because it would lead to all sorts of improprieties. But why is Congress off limits? Why is the executive branch off limits? That is the peak and pinnacle of public service in this country. And if you asked me if my father wanted to run for president, who is 70 years old, and I can assure you 
there is not a chance in hell that retired Major Whit Burnett ever wants to sit in public service at all. But if he did, I would have no problem with that being a family, familial sacrifice that we choose to make or that he made on my behalf because I am his son. And I don't know why these bills don't ever see the floor in the United States Congress. You give we we talk we call balls and strikes. You saw last year Senator Ossoff. I disagree with 90% of the decisions that that guy makes because they're partisan bickering fights. But Senator Ossoff put a bill on the floor that was going to prohibit the direct stock trade from members of Congress and members of the United States Senate because they're privy to information that the rest of you don't have. And you know what? I stood up and clapped because that isn't partisan. And that man, Senator Ossoff, was willing to look you, the Georgian, or the American people and say, we have to be better than this and you should hold your elected officials to a much higher standard than you do. And he was right. None of us agree on everything, but none of us disagree on everything either. In the same way, why is it not if, – if you put that as a – if you put the instance where members of an, the executive branch are not allowed to solicit funds from sovereign governments within five years of the time that they leave elected office – It would be a ratified constitutional amendment in 50 states. I can't think of a single instance where people wouldn't check that box yes. That would be the American process. It would be something that passed this country at an 85-15 margin, Republicans and Democrats, because I don't want Jared Kushner making money off the Saudis for deals that may be tied to an agreement that he made three or four or five years ago in the same way that I don't think then Vice President Biden should have had his son just out there troll with his troller motor on, seeing which which country was going to be open for business. To me, there are so many things that we run to the battle stations that we don't have authentic fights over. Plenty of you are willing to absolutely kill Hunter Biden over going to the Ukraine and China, and in his offend, in in his in his desire to leverage the resources of the big guy to see if he could make things happen. Maybe he could. Why don't we quit having symptomatic conversations and being like the Democrats are this and the Republicans are this and actually get to a place where we fix stuff? I'll tell you why. Because nobody in Congress actually wants to fix anything. They don't. And they never have. When you peel that back and you start having the actual conversations of problems with solutions and you step away from the partisan ledge, you see things from a clear perspective. That doesn't mean that I abandon my ideology. Far from it. I am a very business-friendly, conservative Republican who believes that I probably pay a disproportionate share in taxes. I'm fine to disagree with the Democrats on that position until the cows come home, because I think I stand on ground of efficacy. But that doesn't mean that those people are my enemy. They're not. But we, the people, have to be the solutions providers, and we have to demand accountability and be willing to applaud people when they do the right thing. Senator Ossoff's stock trading ban among the House and the United States Senate is a great place to start. And if that were a constitutional amendment, that's another thing that would pass 8515. And the members of Congress would hate it because they're all sitting there 
leveraging information, and there's people I like, ones that I've had on the show that are just as guilty of it. You can go back and look. United States Congressman Tom Price was trading on information when he was there. Nancy Pelosi, the longtime Democrat Speaker of the House, she was trading on information. We don't do enough of it. You can follow me on social media, Twitter, at Ben Burnett, and Facebook and Instagram. Big Instagram user. I know the reels are coming right back around. At the Ben Burnett Show, this is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. We will be right back. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show. My guest today is Mac Parnell from the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Mac, how are you? Oh, doing well, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for making the drive over. It is always good to have people who create your perspective bring forward advocacy issues, work in public service, work around public service, have to work with any number of elected officials. I would guess sometimes even across the aisle. Of course. If I look at right-leaning groups in the state of Georgia, I have to feel like you guys are one of the most social conservative organizations that advocates today. Well, I appreciate that, and we certainly don't shy away from the social social issues. We uh, we focus on those. We're wholeheartedly pro-life, but uh, we recognize that the state of Georgia, there's a lot going on in the state, and there are different issues that we uh, focus on too. Criminal justice reform, making sure that the business environment is solid, and because we believe that a strong family is a strong Georgia, and people having jobs, people being able to take care of themselves, people being able to come out of the criminal justice system uh, and find a find a job uh, is better for the state. Mac, where did you go to school, and how did you grow up? I grew up in Conyers, Georgia, which is on the east side of Atlanta, out I-20 a little bit. I grew up in Gwinnett. It's not far. So that's great. That's great. And uh, a shorter university in northwest Georgia in Rome uh, said that I could join the football team. I wasn't very good, but they said I could walk on. And so I I played a couple seasons uh, there. I redshirted my freshman year, then had some back surgery and some health issues my sophomore year. So had to uh, hang up the football cleats, but... It was disappointing because I had my identity wrapped up in being a, this you know big beefy football player. I was about fifty to seventy five pounds heavier. I was an offensive lineman, but after after the, God closed the door on that, He opened the doors to so many other things. Which uh, I, as an end result, I met my wife, uh, have the job that I have, and God is good. When you get out of school, what are the questions that you're asking yourself? And I ask this for two reasons. You got a lot of young people who listen to my show, and they wonder how can you get into public service without being somebody that is a quote-unquote elected official, and you clearly are not, and I clearly am not anymore, mercifully. How do you evaluate what you want to do and where you feel like your life is headed? Well, first of all, public service, and particularly elected, being an elected official, I truly believe it has to be a calling. If you're not in it for the right reasons, it's going to eat you up because you see 
what what I saw from the outside, you know, in, in college and high school was I just saw what what what's on TV and and the interviews and the going to events. I didn't actually see the daily grind of what it takes to get elected to a state rep to a, st- a state representative position or or much less Congress. And uh, while I was in college, I, I interned in the governor's office and I also helped out on a congressional campaign, an ultimately successful congressional campaign. But I saw the behind the scenes, how much work goes into it and the meaning behind it. And it, it kind of opened my eyes and, and I realized that it's really it's really got to be a calling. But there are other opportunities. If you're if you're a young person that's thinking about getting into public service, I would just say just just jump in. And what I mean by that is right now we're in the presidential cycle. There are tons of presidential campaigns. They're always looking for volunteers. They're always looking for interns. They're always looking for door knockers and, and getting your foot in the door that way. Getting that experience is, is what I did uh, at, at the congressional level. But there's always campaigns in Georgia that are looking for help. And then that that can let you know if that's something you're interested in or open up other avenues to if, if whoever the candidate you're working with is successful, there's opportunities there. And there's other organizations like mine and, and different advocacy organizations that focus on different issues that might be interested in using your skill set. You said you interned in the governor's office. Which governor was it? It was Governor Nathan Deal, and I was in the governor's office of highway safety. Mac, you were a very involved guy with the General Assembly. And when you watch TV in 2023, almost everything they pick, the, the national media will pick and choose states and issues that it wants to cover. But by and large, they leave the state of Georgia and 98% of its issues alone. And I don't know that that is what is the, the perspective that I always tell people is that if you want to make a difference and you want to be involved and you want to actually see positive things happen to your community, the closest way to do that are the elected officials who are closest to you. The, the priorities of Fox News and CNN and MSNBC, it's almost inverse to what the reality of the situation is. Because you can get so much more done or the ideas or access to your state house or your state senator than you ever will. I have a wonderful relationship with Congressman Rich McCormick. He is a friend of mine. But I'm kind of the exception. There's not a lot of people who just like can call him on a Tuesday and be like, you want to have lunch? If you spend your time with your city councils and your county commissions and your state house and senate, you can actually help them drive ideology forward. And and I know that you guys have a huge umbrella to what you do from a national perspective and in the state of Georgia. But talk about the differences in the things that you're behind today that you've seen tangibly move. Yeah, that's a good point. And one thing about Congressman Rich McCormick, uh, he's a good friend of mine as well. And I was at a meeting with him last week and there was about 150 people all from all stripes in this room. And you know what he did? He gave out his cell phone number to 150 people in that room. So that shows his accessibility. Now I know, I mean, he might not be able to respond to every message. He's got about 750,000 people in his, in the sixth congressional district. And, but it just shows his level of engagement. And he's a, he's a wonderful individual. Uh, like I said, a friend of mine, friend of yours, and, and he does a great job in Congress representing his uh, constituents, but you're exactly right. I mean, that's the way the founders intended it. They intended the government closest to the people to be the most accountable and your school board, can affect your bottom line, your tax dollars, a lot more than the federal government can. Sometimes. Uh, with, with property tax. And I know uh, my uh, my wife and I just put in our appeal of our property tax because it went up 
just a giz, a gazillion percent. Uh, it was unbelievable. But that's that's what we see. You see exactly what you, you served on the city council. So you have city council, school board, and the state legislature that impact your life on a daily basis way more than the federal government does. You hope, but 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 the federal government gets the majority, the lion's share of the headlines. So talk about some of the issues with the Faith and Freedom Coalition today that you guys are front and center on. This last legislative session, our number one issue was expanding school choice, uh, making sure that kids in failing schools have the opportunity to go to a school that isn't failing, to, to be, for their parents to be able to direct their education. And ultimately, that bill fell short by six votes in the House. It passed the Senate with unanimous Republican support, but fell six votes short in the, in this, in the House. And at, coming out of that, we saw Representative Misha Maynard, who is a Democrat, uh, she switched parties primarily because of that issue, primarily because of the ostracization that she received from the Democratic Party over that one issue and letting parents parents engage. Uh, we also uh, were supportive of legislation that would ban COVID vaccine passports so that people don't have to worry about the government requiring a COVID vaccination. And another issue, I mentioned criminal justice reform. We had an occupational licensing bill. The occupational licensing process is is, is broken. So if somebody wanted to be a... Uh, let's say a barber, you have to get an occupational license for that. But if they had a petty theft conviction, the board might be able to prevent them from getting that occupational license. So what this bill simply did is it says, if you've served your time, come out of the criminal justice system, if it's in an unrelated matter, so we're not talking about somebody being a financial advisor, you know, that who's was convicted of fraud or something like that. Ponzi we're talking about, you know, somebody in an unrelated matter, you should be able to receive that occupational license so you can provide for your family. Uh, that that bill also it passed the Senate, which not many things do with unanimous support from both sides of the aisle. Uh, it, it didn't get a vote in the House, but we're going to continue working on that uh, this next legislative session. And there was, of course, the tax refund. Uh, there was some. There's some pro-life legislation that we can get into that was uh, expanding TANF benefits, temporary assistance for needy families that Governor Kemp signed that was authored by Representative Sue Hong. And that, that's a pro-life piece of legislation that allows uh, women who find themselves who find themselves pregnant, if they, if they qualify for those benefits, instead of them being applied at birth, it lets them be applied at conception, which matches what the heartbeat bill is, essentially. And it's a government it's a government assistance, but it just recognizes that life begins. It doesn't expand the, it still keeps the same timeline. I think it's about four years that you can use these TANF benefits for, but it just moves the start date back to recognize that when you're a mom, it begins when you're, uh, when, when, the, when you get pregnant. At conception. Yeah. As you look, school choice is something all around the country. I am not against the concept of school choice. If that's what everybody wants to be after, it needs to be done correctly. What I am against is that there are several counties in the state of Georgia who subsidize the rest, their donor systems. Fulton is one. Cobb is one. Gwinnett used to be, I'm not sure. Cherokee's one. Forsyth is one. And five mils of their property taxes for education go to subsidize the rest of the state of Georgia, which on its face is socialism. And I think that if they can address that, I think that they will find the six votes. Because if I live somewhere that's really nice and I bought my house in a really nice part of town with really, really good schools, that was a decision and a sacrifice that I made based on my values. When you separate that and allow and, and allow anybody to go from failing schools, and I'm not talking about private schools. So if the tax credit is $6,500 and you want to send your kids to private school, I'm good. I don't care. But the failing schools 
when you take kids out of environments that are failing, oftentimes it is not necessarily something that, in my opinion, can be legislated, like having a single-parent household or having only one involved parent. And it takes those bad schools for the people who can bus or hardship them, and they can anyway, to a school that is not at full capacity. It takes the bad schools and it makes them worse. I think you're actually going to exacerbate a problem. I, I would actually disagree with you on that because when you actually look at per, so per, does Cole Museum. Uh, for, for, when you look <laughs> at when you look at uh, per pupil spending. So if some if if somebody if this doesn't the the this specific bill that we worked on it doesn't affect the state it doesn't affect the local the local school tax that still stays in the system. It's static. So so on a per pupil basis, if somebody takes that sixty five hundred dollars of state funding, which is below the QVE below the QVE number. The per pupil spend actually goes up, so they're able to spend more money per student in those school systems. So, in theory, you have one less person you have to educate, and your funding goes up because you don't have to you don't have to have the expense of educating that person and have the additional body. So, the class size goes down, and their spending goes up. So, it has the potential to make those failing schools improve. I hope that you are right because I Me think too. I, because I think it will. It's not even that I'm on the other side of an issue. I'm not the guy who, when something happens, I root against because that's not healthy and it's not a best practice. If you look at law enforcement, educators, for sure, that number can go down. But when you look at some of the hard costs, maintenance, facilities, public safety, those costs are the cost. You either need a cop or you don't. And 10 less students doesn't mean that you don't need a police officer or that the bathrooms don't need to be cleaned or some of the hard fixed costs don't change. Nothing is perfect. Like I said, I'm not somebody who roots against it. I just don't want to see the places that people have gone out of their way and worked hard and chosen to invest their dollars and live in those communities for a specific socioeconomic reason be damaged by people who want to be bust in whose families may not have the same values. And you're never going to legislate equity or fairness, all the all the fancy DEI awards that they love to use that I don't mind using against them. I hope I hope you're right when it passes that it's the best bill it can be. I'm just not sure I'm where I could sit there and support such a measure today. Another thing that I want to talk to you about is criminal justice reform, which I think is something that very few people can fundamentally disagree with. When people say America is the freest country on the face of the earth, we have one of the highest incarceration rates in the entire world among first world nations. What are you guys looking at advocating for there? And how do you and how do you see meaningful change happening? Well, I mentioned our occupational licensing bill earlier that we worked on here at the state level. At the federal level, uh, we're starting to see the rewards of the First Step Act that was uh, it, that happened under the Trump administration with uh, Doug Collins and Tim Scott. And and it's interesting, you know, I, I was at, we had our national our national conference a few weeks ago at the end of June, we had all 12 presidential candidates there, President Trump, Governor DeSantis, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, everybody was there. Uh, and, and one of the sessions was, it was Doug Collins and a San Francisco alderman. 
uh, a female San Francisco alderman. Probably don't have a lot in common. They don't have a lot in common, but they both worked night and day on the First Step Act. You had Van Jones, who of CNN fame or infamy, depending on how you look at it. There's uh, no question the guy's intelligent. Yeah, that's right. And, and he was willing to engage on that issue because we, 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 we live in a red versus blue society, but there's some things that just need to get done so that people can have an opportunity. And I was talking with somebody who uh, lives in South Fulton and uh, and during the Trump administration, black unemployment was at the lowest that it has ever been in our nation. And so criminal justice reform is something that I, I truly believe everyone should get behind, whether you're coming from the, the left-leaning side of things or from, from our, we, we are conservative, we're, we're unabashedly conservative, but these are conservative solutions because it gets government out of the way. It's not a government solution. It's not a government program. It's allowing people to re-enter the private sector uh, for the First Step Act and also the occupational licensing uh, here at the state uh, that lets them have a job because them having a job, them contributing to the economy is going to be the best thing for our state and nation. Well, and not locking up nonviolent criminals for the rest of their lives over an ounce of marijuana. That's correct. Seems like a foolish use of my money. That's right. The Georgia Faith and Freedom Coalition is hosting their annual victory dinner on September 11th. Talk about what the goals are that night and who's going to be in attendance and what you guys hope to accomplish. Well, obviously, September 11th is a, it's a date that everybody remembers where they were when that happened. We, we want to recognize that. We want to honor those that, that served. We want to honor our military, our first responders. We've got the former Atlanta Fire Chief Kelvin Cochran is going to be one of our speakers and two of our veteran Members of Congress, uh, Rich McCormick, who we've already talked about, and Congressman Barry Loudermilk. Rich McCormick is a Marine veteran. Congressman Loudermilk is an Air Force veteran. And we ad- we additionally, we've invited the presidential candidates. Uh, Perry Johnson, who's a businessman running for president from Michigan, has uh, confirmed to join us. And former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who interestingly, right after the Homeland Security Department was uh, instituted as, as a cabinet position, he served as the first undersecretary for terrorism and this was in the 2003 time frame so right as we were facing some of the most critical uh, decisions he, he served in that role so they're going to give us tremendous insight on the national security uh, status and what's going on there but this is this is a, a reminder of what we're working for we're working to continue to build a nation that is free safe and full of opportunity and and we're going to be celebrating freedom because that's what it's all about when you look and you talk about 2024 and you you can sit there and say, look, we're not going to take a position in a primary, and I wouldn't blame you for doing that. But when you look at with the people that you talk to and the, and the candidates that are running for president that interact with you guys, what are the main issues that you hear that maybe people are not seeing on television all the time? Well, you all, all you hear on is all you hear right now on television is indictment watch. You know what? Oh, what's, it's horrible. What's what's going to be happening? You got you got cameras, you know, staked out in parking lots, hoping to see black SUVs roll up and all all sorts of things. And that's that's not what the people are focused on. People they see the gas prices, they see what's happening uh, at the border, they see so many other issues that, like you said, they're they're not getting the time of day. Uh, and I, I think that's unfortunate, and I think it's a disservice to our nation. As you, you guys have formed over time a very cozy relationship with former President Trump, mainly because I imagine he was in the White House and you didn't have any choice. Uh, but what did you see of his time in office that you really had a lot of respect for, besides the first step back that we just talked about, where we that didn't get the national attention that it necessarily deserved? That's not to say it didn't get any. But what what about his time in office 
did you guys really have the ability to get behind and are you kind of secretly pushing for them today? Well, we're not secretly, but we're pushing for everybody. We just want our values to be advanced. And, and something that happened in the Trump administration that for, for because it was President Trump that should have gotten much more attention. And if it was any other president, probably would have gotten three Nobel Peace Prizes, but peace in the Middle East. The first peace deal since the 1990s in the Middle East with between Bahrain, uh, Israel, Bahrain, the UAE, Morocco, and Sudan, which is just unbelievable. That that since, since the peace deal with Jordan in the 1990s, I worked in international relations and on a, on, a, on the pro-Israel basis before I came into this position, and so that's a deal that's near. That is a uh, issue that's near and dear to my heart, but. Even more than it being important to me, it's important to our nation because Israel's our own, the only democracy in the Middle East and the our closest ally in the Middle East. And so, seeing some of the the positive results from there, getting out of the Iran nuclear deal, recognizing Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights, and maybe most importantly, recognizing Israel's capital as Jerusalem. Which, since the 1990s, Congress passed a law saying that Congress recognizes it as Israel's. Uh, capital, but every president has signed a waiver saying, well, we're not going to move the embassy. We're not going to move the embassy since the 1990s until... Because it was in Tel Aviv. It was in Tel Aviv. uh, And then under President Trump, he recognized what the facts were. And all the prognosticators, they said, oh, this is going to cause, you know, World War III. Everything with President Trump was going to cause World War III. But we actually had peace in the Middle East. And when he moved the embassy, there was no... there was. No response. No response from uh, other countries in the Middle East. No even really response from the Palestinian side of things because they just recognize the reality on the ground. That's where the Knesset is. That's where Israel's capital is. And it's just a reflection of reality. And so I was very proud of the Trump administration for all that he did for Israel. As you look beyond, one of the last thing I really want to get to is you, you guys are a conservative, a conservative's conservative organization. And I don't say that in any other way than to say that is exactly who you guys are and you don't hide from it. Abortion and abortion restrictions in this country, if you look at it, it's one thing to say I'm in favor of the heartbeat bill or all the heartbeat bills around the country that you're starting to see after the Supreme Court threw out Roe versus Wade. Is your primary objective moving forward to continue to advocate on the stance of abortion to keep it that way from a federal judges and justices perspective, an education perspective? And do you ever feel like you guys just caught the car and weren't ready for the backlash? Well, I think I think many people were of that opinion. And, and there are a lot of people that said, well, this is doom and gloom for the Republican Party. They'll never win a national election again. Uh, and if you look at the heartbeat bill here in Georgia, I think last year a study came out that it saved between 20 and 22,000, 20 and 22 between 20 and 22,000 lives just last year alone. And for, for comparison's sake, that's about the city of Ackworth. I live in Cartersville. That's about the population of the city of Cartersville. And those are real people. Those are people that have the chance at life because of courageous leadership like Governor Kemp and my good friend, uh, now State Senator Ed Setzler, who who led the charge on that that piece of legislation. And you're seeing, like you said, you're seeing that across the state. And so our, our contention is to save lives. But beyond that, as, as well as... We are pro-life. We're not just pro-birth. We are people that recognize that there need to be solutions for the people that find themselves that would be considering that that painful choice of abortion. 
They need to be able to have the resources from their community, from their churches. My wife works at our uh, volunteers at our local women's resource center. I mentioned the TANF benefit bill, the temporary assistance for needy families that backdates it so that when somebody becomes pregnant, they can get those benefits, recognizing that when life begins, when you're going to actually have these issues. So I, I think moving forward, we're going to continue to advocate to save lives uh, in a pro-Israel fashion, but we're also going to uh, make sure that people receive the 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 resources that they need not maybe not from the government because the government when they get involved in something you look at the va at the national level they mess it up uh so we're we're excited we're excited where the movement is and we we think it's a winning issue looking forward if there was an issue that you wanted to bring to the table that you guys don't advocate for today or something that you guys are talking about doing as a body what is it well, we have a number of things uh, that we're currently working on, and I, I think right now school choice uh, is, is, is our number one issue. And, and I know we've already talked about that a little bit at length, but getting that done for the state, we've seen it all across the nation and in several other states, but that gives students and parents an opportunity to choose that might not otherwise have that opportunity. And so that, that's for the next legislative session, that'll be our top issue again. That's Mac Parnell from the Faith and Freedom Coalition. This is Atlanta's all-conservative talk station, Extra 106.3. We will be right back. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Boys and girls, welcome to the Ben Burnett Show. This is my thought and one take. The Pac-12 and college football. We don't always talk about college athletics. We almost never talk about college athletics, to be entirely honest with you. We stay with current events. We stay with politics. But college football is really front and center about to be the current event in the country. Over the course of the last two weeks, five schools have left the Pac-12 for the Big Ten and the Big 12. There have been schools in recent years that have left the Big 12 for the SEC and the Big Ten. There have been schools the decade prior that left the Big East for the ACC Notre Dame plays footsie with the ACC because they realize they have to have automatic bids for certain leagues for certain sports, and that's the only way you really get in. They've maintained their anonymity in college football. I think at some point that's probably going to go away. I think Notre Dame is no longer the household name that is as competitive as it once was. I mean, that's not really an opinion. That's a fact. But I have a ton of issues with the NCAA I've got a ton of issues with NIL. I talk about my issues with the NCAA all the time. I don't trust them. I don't think they've ever done the right thing for student athletes, and that's across the board. If you have 360, give or take, Division I college athletic programs, I think they care about very few. And to be honest with you, those very few have realized that the NCAA has absolutely no power over them. I don't like NIL because it really can't be 
regulated. It takes the rich. It makes them richer. That's the American way. It's capitalism. Meritocracy always wins. You look at college football programs, and I'll leave Georgia out of it. You look at Alabama, Texas A&M, Texas, Ohio State, USC, Miami. College football is as uncompetitive on the scale as it has ever been. Most years, the team who wins the Southeastern Conference's football title wins the national championship. There is no parity in the league. The thing that I like about the NFL, and I am not a fan of the NFL, is that it is built for every team to go 8-8. Eight and eight. If you finish last with the worst record, you get the first draft pick. I like the fact that it is that competitive. I like the fact that year over year there's almost never a repeat champion. It makes what the New England Patriots did for really the last 20 years truly incredible. In 2023, I believe that there are less than 10 programs in Division I FBS college football that can win a national championship. With no research, I can tell you who most of them are right now. Oklahoma, Texas, USC, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Miami, Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson. I bet if you go back and look over the last 10 years, half of those haven't even won a national championship. It's a really small pool. When USC and UCLA made their intentions known that they were leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, it told me all I needed to know. That conference was cooked. And it makes me sad. I understand why the Big Ten wants the Los Angeles market. It is easily the second largest TV market in the country. Easily. You know what number three is? Houston, Texas. You'd have never guessed that on your own. Now the Big Ten thinks that it has the New York TV market with Rutgers and the L.A. TV market with USC and UCLA, and I understand every bit of it. Ohio State is in a second-tier media market. They have a huge alumni base. It's a huge school. It's got fabulous facilities. If you ever get the chance to go, it is as nice as anywhere in the country. But kids from the South and kids from California and kids from Florida and kids from Mississippi and Alabama, they dominate college football, and they don't like being cold. And the Big Ten, for all the money that it pumps into their programs, Ohio State can win a national championship in college football every 10 years. I can tell you the five schools right now that have a capability of winning the other nine. Georgia, Clemson, Texas, USC, and that's it. That's pitiful. And college football in the last couple of years has also announced that it's going to go from a four-team playoff, which, let's be honest, that's been an absolutely terrible product, and they're going to expand into a 12-team playoff, which, is, which I have news for you, is going to be an even worse product. The 12th-ranked team in college football has more in common with the 50th-ranked team in college football than it does with number one. It just does, especially if you put home field advantage on there. But I'm sad for a lot of reasons. The Pac-12, or the Pac-10, is a conference that is over 100 years old, and the product has become so diluted that each of these universities take the money at hand with the television packages, and that's the only thing that matters. Only that is not the only thing that matters. Like I said, if you have 360 Division I college programs, you're telling me that a swimmer at the University of Southern California has to get on an airplane, where, by the way, they will travel commercially, and go to a swim meet in Bloomington, Indiana? Because all those other sports, they don't ultimately matter in the scheme of things, but you have to field teams. The Big Ten and the Big 12 left Stanford out. If you had an honest conversation about Pac-12 athletics, Stanford is the proudest athletic program in the Pac-12 by a mile. And I'm not even going to say that they're a terrible football program. They've played in the Rose Bowl plenty of times over the course of the last 20 years. 
They send people into the workforce that do the most incredible things, maybe of anywhere in the country. And now you're going to dilute the overall product. I understand all the arguments that you can make with respect to capitalism. I do. And I hardly ever make religious comments on The Ben Burnett Show. The love of money is the root of all evil. You've left the Pac-12 with four schools. Stanford and Cal now have to convince the Atlantic Coast Conference of all places to allow them to come into the league and compete. But can you imagine? I've traveled to the West Coast every week for years of my life. It is hard. When you look at five hours on a plane or six hours on a plane twice a week, and then you turn around and do it again, it is not the right thing for those kids, and it is not the right thing for the future of college athletics in this country. College football's broken. They've taken every available dollar, and plenty of them have made terrible decisions, and I'll bring it home. I think the fact that the SEC took more money to go to ESPN, ABC, and Disney over CBS is a truly profound mistake. Because basic cable is still where the vast majority of people watch their favorite teams. I could guarantee you at 2.30 or 3.30 Eastern every single week that I was going to get the best college football game of the day. When you start to supplement and move that around and you compete with ESPN and ABC, I think that the SEC will still ultimately find its way onto prime time most of the time. It has to live with the wants and needs of the other conferences. Ultimately, it's going to hurt the SEC, even though every game is televised. I have news for you on another front. The SEC network has been a pitiful product. They don't even chase Nielsen ratings because they don't want you to know how badly it performs. That's the truth. Outside of 10 Saturdays in the fall, at the most, they don't even pay for Nielsen ratings. They don't want to know and they don't want you to know. They'd rather live in anonymity. But when college football forces these conversations in the name of one sport over everything else, it's broken. It is fundamentally broken. The 40 schools want to get rich. There's only 10 that can win a national championship. And the other 350 Division I college programs are ultimately going to hurt. They rely on the top 10 or the top 40 or 50 teams to fund the budgets for plenty of their football programs. And now they have to build in additional games. It's going to wind up being a horrible thing for college football. And college football really doesn't need any help. As much as you love the national championship, Georgia's schedule in 2023 is pitiful. It's as bad as it has ever been. They can't find competitive games. They're back-to-back -back national champions. The expansion of these super conferences will ultimately lead to the dissolving of the NCAA altogether. And make no mistake, it has started to happen. And when it gets there, you are going to see so many student athletes not have an opportunity at all because four conferences sat there and ruined it for everybody else. It's been another episode of The Ben Burnett Show. Have a great day, everybody. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.
The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.